Are you ready for the word this morning? I want to be convinced that you're ready. I want to be convinced that you're ready for the word this morning. Yeah. Remember, he leads me beside green pastures and quiet waters. We had worship, and now we're going to have the word. And we've been in a series simply entitled, My Shepherd. My Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Would you just say that with me? The Lord is my shepherd. Everybody needs a shepherd. We know this. In part one, we talked about the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, which means there's bad ones. How many of you have had a bad shepherd before? I know I have. If you make the world your shepherd, you are in for a world of pain. But there is a good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus actually says, I am the gate to, for the sheep. So, like, in other words, uh, if you're going to get to them, you're going to have to come through me. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I am the gate. And what we learned is that sheep cannot survive without a shepherd. They, are, they do not have the ability to find their own food. They have to be led to pasture. They have to be sheared so their coat doesn't take them over. They are the most problematic animals probably on the earth because of their uh, uh, natural ability just to get lost. How many of you remember life before GPS? Like, like, right? Like sometimes you could just get lost. And uh, I remember when I I was a new driver, I was was 17 years old, and my family had relocated from Ohio to Arkansas, and uh, and. you ever look back and you think about the things you let, your parents let you do, and you're like, man, they were crazy. Well, well, my mom allowed me to go back and forth from Arkansas to Ohio, uh, even to take my little brother to visit our, our dad in the summer, and I'd make that 14-hour drive uh, by myself at 17 years old with a road atlas. No map quest, no GPS. No cell phone, a road atlas. And uh, I remember, you know, having to you know, talk about texting and driving. Try driving with a road atlas, right? And I remember, like, okay. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when you realize and you look down at the road atlas, even though you highlighted your route the night before on the page, and then all of a sudden you realize, uh oh. Uh, that road I see on that green sign, uh, I've done past wherever I was supposed to turn, right? Or when there was construction and a detour, detours, you know, now like it all happens automatically. Uh, you get lost. Like that's us. We are sheep. We, get, we, are, we have a this tendency to get lost. We cannot survive without a good shepherd. Because if you remember from week one, we are sheep and sheep are, yeah, you got that, great. And then last week we talked about how my shepherd provides. My shepherd. How many of you are so glad that you have a shepherd that provides? It, it, it says that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack no thing. I lack nothing. And, and like we said, some translations say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The better translation of that word is I do not lack. Because how many know what you need and what you want are two different things? I do not Lack. And so here's where we were. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So my shepherd provides green pasture, quiet waters. He provides contentment. He provides peace. He provides healing. He provides the right path. Now, all of that was the last two weeks. You can get caught up, newlife4kokomo.org. All of our messages are all archived online there. And we're going to continue now through the 23rd Psalm in, with my shepherd protects. My shepherd protects. And here's the scripture. It's going to come off the screen. Let's do something together. I grew up in church where like we would stand for the reading of the word and read it together out loud. So how about we do that this morning? Let's all stand together. And let's read the, the scripture together today. Are you ready? Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Was that fun? Let's do it one more time. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup. Good job. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, I think that the number one fear of people is death. You said, that's not my number one fear. My number one fear is heights. <laughs> it's because you're afraid of falling and dying, right? <laughs> my number one fear is not death, is deep water. It's because you're afraid of drowning where you will die. I don't, I don't have a fear of death. I just, I just fear snakes. It's because you're afraid that a snake is going to bite you and you will die. Yeah, that's right. But here, here's what the shepherd does. The shepherd takes the greatest fear people have and he destroys it. Even though I walk in the darkest valley, I fear no evil. He destroys it. As a believer, we don't need to fear death because to us, we know that death is not the end. Death is a transition. Death is a change of address. And I promise you, you're going to a far better neighborhood. We are going from here to glory from this earth to heaven's paradise. And, and, and again, here's what it says. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Yeah, my shepherd protects. He protects. The first thing I want you to know is that he is with me always. I don't know about you, but I've had to walk through some dark days in this life. 
And I know some of you have had to walk through some dark days. I went through some days that I even called my desert days because it was destitute and dry and weary. And I was unsure if, in fact, God was with me. Actually, my prayer was this. Lord, have you forgotten me here? Maybe you've prayed a prayer like that. But the Lord, my shepherd, he is with me always. I'm not even always aware that he's with me, but he is with me. That my shepherd is not, he is not in the upper deck of heaven cheering me on down below. No. He's right here. He's with me. At Christmas time, we say that God is Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. And he is, isn't he? Here's what it says in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will, this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because uh, because, uh, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be where? In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This advocate that Jesus is speaking of is the Holy Spirit that God gave us, his Holy Spirit that would be with us, and not just with us to call upon, but within us. We, We actually see this progression all the way through Scripture, where in Abraham's day, God was always up. And then in Moses' day, God was in a tabernacle that they could pack up and move around. And then in David's day, they put God in a temple. And then in Jesus' day, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And then in the New Testament day, we'll call it in Paul's day, God gave us the Holy Spirit, and he's not up, he's not in a tabernacle, he's not in a temple, he's not just in flesh, he's in us. This Holy Spirit is in us. And and I say it all the time, and I mean it wholeheartedly, the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible, and I need the Holy Spirit to dwell within me, to empower me, to comfort me, to guide me, to lead me into truth. And we have a shepherd that says, I will be with you always. How do I know? I'll put him, I'll put myself right in you. My Holy Spirit to infill you, empower you. It's the concept of the Trinity that God is Three persons, one God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now, now the, Islam, the Islamic faith says that we are, we are polytheistic, which means we worship multiple gods. And they actually use a lot of our Old Testament. And they say, well, Deuteronomy 6.4, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he is. He is one. And that Hebrew word one is the word ihad, which means unity and diversity. And in Genesis, he said, let us create man in our own image. It's plural, but he's one. It's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit within us. The Lord is with you always, always, always. 
And then it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, <laughs> my dad had a rod. It was a dowel rod. It's about three foot long. Uh, it was supposed to be for the tomatoes in the garden. But he kept it tucked into the coat closet for special occasions. <laughs> and so around our house, when somebody may have been getting a little bit fussy, copping a little attitude, <laughs> My dad would say these words, do you want the rod? Just like that, you want the rod? I do not want the rod. You want the rod? I do not want the rod. And then it was, you're getting the rod, right? Like, I'm getting the rod. Uh, My dad used a couple rods on my brother one time uh, because... uh, he broke it <laughs> on my brother, and uh, I didn't know this. He had a backup rod. He had more than one rod. When I saw that rod broke, I was like, yeah, he's got another one. You want the rod? So uh, I, when I read Psalm 23, it's like, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm like, I, I don't get it, Lord. I do not find comfort in the rod. Until I learned why shepherds have rods. And that is that the shepherd never uses the rod on the sheep. The shepherd used the rod to fend off prey or, or uh, predators. The shepherd would use the rod to, to, to beat off those that were trying to come and attack the flock. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's comforting. I can understand the rod. Because when, it, when we say, your rod comforts me, it's, it's, it's like the same kind of comfort of like, uh, uh, wow, I have to go somewhere dangerous, but it's okay, you're going to have private security. <laughs> okay, yeah, private security, that sounds good. Well, my shepherd protects, I'm comforted by his rod, he doesn't use it on me, I done had that rod, he uses it on my enemies, I remember my dad would also say, you want the rod? I am not afraid to use it. Well, my shepherd has a rod, and he's not afraid to use it. So if you're my enemy, the enemy of our soul, you better watch out, because my shepherd has a rod, and he's not afraid to use it. He says, your rod and your staff. I have this shepherd's staff. Um, this, is, this is a shepherd's staff what it would look like. Um, the Assemblies of God gave me this shepherd's staff when I was ordained um, with the Assemblies of God. They give all ordained ministers this shepherd's hook um, as a reminder of our role as leaders to shepherd people. Um, but this is a, a shepherd's staff. has this, uh, you know, this classic shepherd's hook on it. And, uh, and the reason why shepherds had a staff like this uh, was because we are sheep, and sheep are, yeah, they are, and so the shepherd would have to dig their sheep out of the brush sometimes, and this hook would help them reach the sheep and safely 
you know, pull them out of a hole, pull them out of the brush, pull them out of a pit, and, and it, would, it would hook around them, and they could, you know, they could lift them up out of wherever they were going. And, and they would also, as they could, could kind of guide the sheep along from, to keep them together. And so your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's comforting to know that my shepherd has a rod to protect me and a staff. And the st- it's comforting because it, it's like rock climbing, but you're tethered. Uh, I don't know if you've ever gone rock climbing before. There's a couple different styles. They have what's called bouldering. And bouldering is a rock climbing where you have no ropes and, uh, and, and you are f- free climbing. And then there's the tethering or being tied off where you have obviously a harness and a strap and there's a pulley system and someone down below is your anchor. And, uh, uh, and I, I, it's... It's kind of like we, we would, I remember I would take my boys to this rock climbing place where we used to live, and, and they would climb, you know, just way up there, like beyond your comfort zone as a parent and also as an individual. And I remember I, I climbed up there, and like I would never go that high except I knew something would catch me. And, he, and, and then even when I got to the top, instead of making my way down, it's kind of fun just to be like, yay, right? And like, and it catches you. Um, they have this one uh, tether that you can use where it's not somebody down below being your anchor. It's just almost like a seatbelt system in your car where uh, as soon as it, t- it senses like the weight pulling on it, it, it engages and then slowly drops you down. And so there's not a person holding you. It just goes up into this pulley up there and then when you, if you were to fall or jump off, it catches you and you slowly drop. And so you can imagine when you reach to the top and you need to jump off or fall off, that you look at that and there's this level of distrust of will it actually catch me? Like what if the mechanism fails and, it doesn't, and I just come right falling straight to the ground? And it's really, the sketchy part is when you jump, it takes a second to like engage and, uh, oh, it's frightening. But after the first time, and you feel it catch you, and you feel the safety of that rope, it's incredibly comforting to know that you did not die. <laughs> well, we are, we are comforted by the rod and staff of the Lord because it's like that. We have this tether. It's, it's like going out on deep water if you have that fear, but you have a life jacket on. It's a security in case things go sideways. And the, my shepherd... Protects. Here's why I want you to know that when it matters most, my shepherd shows up. And, and he, he, you may not know, you may be thinking, Lord, are you with me? He's with you. And every single time when it matters most, my shepherd shows up. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I don't have to be afraid. And, th- and then this is what it says. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Imagine with me, picture this, being on the battlefield. Your enemies are all around. There's yelling, explosions. There's gunfire. It's total chaos. And then, 
in the presence of this chaos in the battlefield, you see a table with white tablecloth. And it's set with the finest chinaware and crystal glasses and a spread of the finest food as an invitation to come and sit at this table in the middle of a battlefield. That's a weird picture. That my shepherd prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Now why does God do something like that? I'll tell you why. It's because he is not afraid of what makes us afraid. God is not afraid of what makes us afraid. So much so that we see everything that causes us fear and anxiety, and he, says, and he just, I mean, I'm going to set a table out in front of you. Yeah, come on. And, and we're like, uh, seems like the wrong place to be doing this, Lord. Seems like I need to grab my weapons, not my utensils. He goes, no, it's fine. He's not afraid of what makes me afraid. God is, he is cool under pressure. He has ice in his veins. He is absolutely sure. He is unbothered, never worried, completely in control. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. This is what Romans 8.31 says. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's my shepherd. If God is for us, who can be against us? He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Because he's not afraid of what makes him, of what makes me afraid. And Romans 8, 37 says, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord and my shepherd. And he knows it, and I don't know it sometimes, but he knows it so much that he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Come and, come and sit. Come and have a seat. He is not afraid of what makes me afraid. God is not afraid of what you're facing. Because listen, Jesus came. He walked this earth. He was placed on a cross. He was beaten. His hands were pierced. He was placed in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from that grave. So my shepherd looks at death and goes, <laughs> death couldn't hold me down. And you're my sheep. So just have a seat. All of this that you're afraid of, if you just look at me, you don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. 
And if I can conquer all of that, and you're with me, how many of you know, my shepherd protects. I'm going to be okay. And so when we go back to work tomorrow, when you go back to the battlefield of whatever the battlefield is of your life, you can know that you can have a shepherd. He's not afraid of what you're afraid of. He just says, have a seat. Have a seat. Because even though you can walk through the darkest times and the darkest valleys, you don't have to be afraid of all this evil. Why? Because I'm with you. And I'm not afraid of that. I remember when I was teaching my son Joel how to dive in a pool. I was standing in the water and watching his little toes just gripping the edge of that pool. And he's just looking down at me. He says, you're going to catch me, right? I'm like, oh, I'm, I am going to catch you. You weigh nothing compared to me. I'm going to catch you. I could catch you with one arm. I got you. Okay, Dad. Because he's about to jump in water deeper than he's ever jumped before. And all that's there is me. And he's doing the... I'm like, go! Jump! And one, two, three, jump! And go! And one, two, three, jump! You can do this, buddy. I am going to catch... Are you going to catch me? I am going to catch you. It's like he doubted my strength. Like, you're going to jump in. You're going to go under the water. And I'm going to scoop you out. But... That distance, though, from the edge of the pool to the water at that moment, how many of you know that feels like a great distance to go? And that distance of trust and faith takes a lot of courage. And some of us, we just have to take that small step of faith and trust that God is not afraid of what we're afraid of. You know why I could encourage Joel to take that leap because I knew a thousand percent that I control the outcome. I controlled if he drowned. I controlled if he lived. But I knew he was going to live. I had total control and I knew it. And your father, your shepherd, he's looking at you, he's looking at you in your battlefield and what you're going through and he's trying to encourage you. I have got this. I'm not afraid. I am for sure going to take care of you and protect you. All you have to do is travel that distance. All you have to do is sit at the table. Put down your weapons. Pick up the utensils. I got this. But if we keep our eyes out in what we're afraid of, we, we want to hold on to our weapon. We want to stay in the battle. We're saying, God, come help me. Choo, choo, choo. God, come on. Come on, Lord. Help me get through this time. And he's just like, the table, son, daughter. Come on, Lord. Ah, oh, help me. Why aren't you helping me? I'm not afraid of what you're afraid of. Have a seat at 
the table. Second Corinthians says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So if you feel weak, you are a prime, you are primed and ready for the strength of God to take over. And so I would say that maybe the reason we are afraid in the battle is because we're not seated at the table. Because it is a really scary out there to us because out there we're in over our head. But right here, we're with our Father. We're with the shepherd. He's not afraid of what we're afraid of. The verse says, you prepare a table before me. The table, my friend, your, the table has been prepared. It's in front of you. It's before you. It's like an invitation that you must occupy now your place at the table. You, we, can, it's, we are sheep. We're just sheep. You can lead sheep to pasture, but they have to eat. Remember we talked about that? The Lord said, I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And sometimes, you know what he has to do? Make us lie down in green pasture. Okay, come on. Have a seat. All of this is going to be okay. I conquered death, hell, and the grave. I can conquer your taxes too. It's going to be okay. It's that time of year. You know, it's all in our mind. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. He anoints your head with oil. It's, it's as though you are being chosen. He has chosen you. If you feel rejected, I want you to know he chose you. Maybe you remember in elementary school when they're picking teens at gym class. And you're just like, oh, please don't let me be last. Oh. Yeah, it's that feeling of rejection, of no one chooses me, no one befriends me, no one invites me. I want you to remember, your shepherd chose you. He anoints your head with oil. He chose you. And, and, then, and then it says, my cup overflows. The Hebrew here, word here for cup, when it's used, it, only, it has about four different top, kind of meanings when it's used throughout Scripture. One is a cup for drink. One cup is offered to those who mourn. One is a cup of judgment, like when it said that Israel had to drink uh, this cup when they were exiled in Babylon. It's the same cup that Jesus says. He says, when he asked the Father to remove this cup, do I have to, do I have to drink this cup? It's the cup of judgment as Jesus was about to take upon himself all the judgment of the world and sin upon him. And then there was a, there's a fourth meaning when this word is used for cup in Scripture, and it is the cup of blessing. And when it is used, it is always an overflowing cup. So he anoints my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And what I want you to know is my shepherd... He blesses my life. He blesses my life. To overflowing, he blesses my life. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies because he chose me. He invited me, me, 
to the table and blesses my life. Jeremiah 1.5 is what it says. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What this to be this same encouragement is for you. That before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, God knew who you were. And maybe you think, well, if he knew who I was, whoo, joke's on him. Yeah, he knew who you were, and he chose you despite you. He chose you because he loves you, his grace and mercy for you. And it says he sets us apart, which means he, set, he, he reserves us as something special. We're set apart and appointed. So each of us, God chose Each of us, he set aside as something special for a special purpose. He chose you. That's my shepherd. He blesses my life. John 10.10 says, The thief only comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He blesses my life. My cup is overflowing. Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd today? If you have any doubts in your mind, you have access to a shepherd. He provides and he protects. The Lord protects. So so listen, do you feel alone? He is with you always. Are you afraid because of the battle that you're in? Then come and have a seat at the table prepared just for you. He protects you and he will bless you because he has chosen you. Would you stand with me this morning? Nearly every day, I pray a prayer like this, and it starts the same. You've heard me say it before. I simply say, Father, you're the best dad I ever had. because, Lord, you're my shepherd. I don't lack anything. You provide for me. You protect me. When I was alone, you were with me. When I had nothing, you were there. When I was in the battle and I was losing, you sat me at your table You put courage in me because even in my darkest days, if I have you, I don't have to be afraid. You put your word in me that who by worrying can add a single day to their life 
that you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm that sheep that without my shepherd would be completely lost, alone, stuck in the brush, terrified of the world. But with my shepherd, I'm chosen. I'm empowered by his spirit. I have courage. And I'm not afraid. That's the difference of life with and without. Lord, you as my shepherd. I'm so grateful. And this morning, I want to invite every single one of you if there's some area of your life that you need to submit to the Good Shepherd, if maybe you're out there, you're trying to fight the battle on your own, your Father is just inviting you just to come to the table. He's prepared for you because He's not afraid of what you're afraid of. But you've got to get back into the fold of the sheep. You've got to get back into the care of the Shepherd because without the Shepherd, it's terrifying, it's chaotic, it's lonely. Return to the shepherd this morning. You can do that in your own way. You can call out to God right where you are this morning in prayer and return back to the Lord. You may not have this whole faith thing figured out yet. You may, not, you may have a lot of questions unanswered, but I will tell you that if you want to, to get your life right, if you want to start improving your life the first step is a step back towards God. And we can help you with the rest, but the first step has to happen today. And you make that step towards the Lord. And I'm going to pray here in a moment. You can make your prayer sound like mine. You can repeat after me in the quietness of your own heart or say it in your own way. But it just sounds like this. God, I need you. I have been lost I've been, I am in pain. I have sorrow. I'm weighted down with my guilt and my shame. I've fought this battle on my own for too long. And I want you to be my Lord, my shepherd. Would you forgive me for all of my failures, all of my mistakes? Give me a second chance I want to be in your care. I want to follow your ways and not mine. And I'm committed to, to the process of discovery of what all of your ways are so that I can turn from mine and I'll be in alignment with your good, pleasing, and perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen.